Okay, um, a few weeks back, I did a talk on a uh, two-parter on specifically what I thought God was saying to St. Peter's in this season. And the main points were that first, uh, we seem to be in a season of increasing fruitfulness, praise God. And secondly, that we need to be aware of the tendency towards complacency. When things are going well, it's easy to get complacent. And thirdly and finally, uh, that God is calling us to be a consecrated people. That is, that we dedicate ourselves fully to God through prayer, through the proper use of our finances, and through how we bring our gifts to, uh, to bear in serving him. A few weeks back, I spoke mostly about our vocation and calling, and I talked about Eric Liddell, do you remember? Or Liddell, how do you say it? Not Liddell, that's a supermarket. Uh, Eric, Eric Liddell, let's go with that. Um, an athlete who took part in the 1924 Olympics uh, and won his, his category, won his race. Um, a story retold in Chariots of Fire. You will now have that theme tune ringing in your, your ears, I'm sure. Uh, in the film, uh, Eric Liddell, he, uh, he talked with great passion about using his God-given gifts, as I said. And he said this, he said, I believe that God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Such a great quote. Uh, I'm really grateful to those of you that have filled out a serving at St. Peter's form already. Uh, and for so many of you that already serve in so many ways to make St. Peter's tick, to make it do what it does, um, I, I'm hugely grateful. Um, I'm doing my best to kind of process these forms and to kind of go through and work out what people have, have sort of said that they would do. But my hope is that we'll end up with some round pegs in round holes and that people's passions and, and uh, time and energy will kind of align with uh, things that are going on in church where you feel that you're able to be um, really useful with, within St. Peter's, as I'm sure you will be. Uh, and when I spoke back then, um, I said that I would spe speak specifically at some point about stewardship of our finances, and today that's what I'm going to be talking about. There's only so much you can do in a short talk on this, um, but I think that this reading today communicates three things about money that are essential for us to remember. Uh, but before I get onto that, I've got something to show us. Um, kids, hello, little ones over there, that's you. They're totally absorbed in their games. Guys, if you come around this way, just stop your race for a moment. Are you doing Chariots of Fire? Do you know what that is? No, there's a film called Chariots of Fire, and it's got slow motion running in it. Can you do slow motion running? Do you want to, okay, let's do it. Let's do it. We can, we can have some slow motion running. This is a kind of an impromptu moment, but we can do this. Okay, here we go. How's your slow motion running? Can you like run but really slow? It's not bad. It's quite hard to run slowly, isn't it?
Okay, that's probably enough slow motion running, but really good. What you'll need to do is if you can come around, maybe sit at the back over by Julie. If you go sit at the back over by Julie, because you'll want a good view of the screen for this bit. Okay, so before I go into my next bit of my talk, I'm going to put something on the screen that is going to, um, going to tell you that your eyes lie constantly, because things aren't always as they seem. Can I have the first picture? Okay, somebody tell me what that is. No, it's not. That is not a spiral. How mad is that? That isn't a, a spiral that spirals gradually into the middle. It's actually just a series of concentric circles that are structured in such a way to fool you into thinking that it's a spiral. Is that not the weirdest thing ever? I, I thought, you know what, and I, I read the thing and I thought, I don't believe that that isn't a spiral. I have to actually do something to prove that it isn't. So what I did was the next slide where I actually got a circle and put it in the middle. And you can see that one of those lines tracks perfectly all around the outside of a circle. It's not actually getting any smaller. Isn't that weird? How bizarre. OK, the next one works perfectly on a laptop screen, but we've realized doesn't actually work on here, I don't think. Let's put it up anyway. OK, is that, is that moving to anybody, or is that stationary? Yeah, I don't think it works on that screen. If you see that on a really high-res image, it actually like moves, even though it's still. It's really, really weird. OK, move on to the next one, because that one should work. OK, this one is really odd. Who can see a load of rectangles? OK, can anyone see any circles? Can anyone see any circles? In there. This is one of those things that once you've seen it, you can't unsee it. <laughs> and then it starts to get, okay. So actually, what this is, is a series of horizontal lines interrupted by a series of striped vertical circles. So can you see a circle here? Oh, like everybody's like, oh yeah. There's actually 16 circles on that. And as soon as you see one of the circles, suddenly you're like, oh, yeah, there's loads of circles. But straight away, you just can't see any of them. It's absolutely mad. Be honest, who saw a single circle before I pointed that one out? So weird, isn't it? And yet, once you've seen one, you can suddenly see, oh, yeah. I love it. I love it when people suddenly get it. It's like, oh. Children, can you see circles? Can you see any of the circles yet? Can you? So there's like there's 16 circles. There's one there, there's one there, there's one there, and they're all like vertical striped. Weird, isn't it? Our eyes mess with us and deceive us. So despite how things seem, despite how things seem, how things seem isn't always reality. Okay, and this leads me on to my first point. Point number one. Slide, please, Chris, if you would. Despite how things may seem, our money isn't ours. There's a scripture in the Bible, and it says, the earth is the Lord's, and everything in it. Okay, who here has a car? No, you don't. 
do you? What do you? You have a car. Is it a toy car, or do you have a do you have a big car? Is it your car? Does Daddy get to borrow it every now and then? Who here has a house? No, you don't. <laughs> I mean, we actually don't if you've got a mortgage, right? It's like, it's, it's still not ours yet. It won't be for like another 20 years. Who here has got some money? No, you don't. <laughs> There's less and less hands going up as we, as we go on. Who here owns anything? Despite how things seem, our money isn't ours. If you have a car, God's lent you a car for his kingdom purposes. How are you going to use it to glorify him? If you have a house, he's given you a house to steward. How are you going to use it for his kingdom purposes? If you have any money, it's his money. And he sometimes lets you keep some of it. <laughs> How are you going to use your money for God's kingdom purposes? Now, I find this really a real struggle because our pride can kick in, can't it? And you can say, hang on a minute. You know, I worked really hard so that I can have a good pension. I worked really hard at work so that I can buy nice things. To which I gently say, who has given you the ability to work and the gifts and the abilities to earn the money that you've got? Who's given you the privilege of working in a Western society where we have sometimes, sometimes all right banks that do all right things with our money, sometimes they do bad things with our money. But do you know what I mean? I guess what I'm trying to say is it's much more complicated than just we do, we do work, we have our money, we own it all, and it's all ours. In our reading today, it says, if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? And I think when we begin to realize that all we're doing is managing resources that God has blessed us with on his behalf, it changes the way that we think about our money. It's not, as I say, that we have such and such an amount of money um, and we may choose to give 5, 10, 20, 50% of it to God. It's that all of the money that we have is God's money and he's more than happy for us to keep some of it. But I would encourage us to be generous with that which we're managing on God's behalf. Okay, point number two. The way that we manage our money reveals who or what we trust, who or what we have faith in, who or what we believe in. We're all ultimately called to only place our trust in God. Now, one of the main arguments I hear for not giving financially to church, charity, whatever it is, is, you know, I give my time and that's more precious than money. And you're right, time is more precious than money. But if it was just about being generous to help others, giving our time to a cause can be more important and effective than simply giving our money, that's right. But the problem is we don't simply give money away. We're not called simply to give money away because it's good for other people. We need to be generous because money, or mammon as it's sometimes called, has a power over us. And unless we actually get used to giving some money away, we end up holding on to it 
we end up holding on to it too tightly. And then money ends up being a god to us. It ends up doing something to our hearts. So whilst I'm here to say to you, thank you for your time and energy, God calls us to more than just giving our time and our energy. He calls us to give our money. And that's really hard. And it's often for people, you know, someone once said to me, you know, the last part of me to get converted was my wallet. <laughs> and I think it's quite often like that for us. You know, actually for, for myself and Debbie, you know, I came to faith in 2006. Um, and I kind of like dithered around the outside of my kind of giving. And then about two years later, um, I started working for the church. And I thought, you know, I have to begin to to, to take this seriously and to begin to give sacrificially and generously. But it took a long time. It took me a good couple of years to kind of begin to do that. And it's an ongoing work that God is doing uh, in, in me. So here's something I never knew. Uh, mammon is a word you've obviously heard for money before. It's a Hebrew word for the personification of wealth and greed. Is that slide up there or has that already been... Yes, you can't really see that very clearly, but this figure represents mammon, and there are two kind of naked people underneath him who are kind of being, being kind of oppressed uh, and kind of kept, kept down by this figure, mammon. But the Hebrew word for ma is mammon, and it's this personification of wealth and greed. And it's de derived from another Hebrew word, aman, which means to place our trust in. And aman is where we get our word Amen. Isn't that funny that the same root word for amen, which we use to praise God all the time, is also the same root word for money or for the bad use of money. That there's something about where do we place our trust. It is an exercise in trust, giving money. Now, if we go to church every Sunday and get involved in mission and ministry and regularly pray our prayers to God, ending with amen, saying, Lord, I trust in you, but we hoard all of our money as an insurance policy against disaster, where are we really placing our trust? Do we trust God for all our needs? Or are we trusting our bank accounts and our pension funds? It's a real challenge. In Jesus the great amen described in Revelation uh, 3.14. Are we trusting him or in the not so great mammon? Because Jesus seems to be saying that giving is not just about being kind. It reveals our heart of what we most worship. And then finally, point number three. <laughs> Our love of money makes God's nose wrinkle. Okay, kids, I'm going to need your help. Okay, come on, this will be fun. Okay, now, has anybody heard of something called gurning? No. Have you heard of gurning? No. Okay, there's this thing. Do you want to put, put a slide on? Okay, right. There is, in Cumbria, every year, the World Gurning Championships, okay? Gurning is this word for pulling the ugliest face you can possibly pull, okay? And these are some of the winners of previous years. Um, this one I particularly like. He uses his dentures to great effect by kind of thrusting them kind of out and forwards. It's pretty grim. I have no idea how that person makes that shape with his mouth. Um, they're pretty ugly, but I reckon that you guys can do better than that. <laughs> Gauntlet thrown down. So would anybody like to turn that way? And I'll join in as well because I think it's only fair for the vicar to make a fool of himself in public as well. 
Can you do your ugly, absolute ugliest face ever? Okay, facing that way. And maybe if I see something really hideous, I, I might try and find a prize for you next week. Okay, that's pretty good. I was going to put a microphone. You don't need a microphone for ugly faces. Okay. So, Tiersa, Tiersa, if you do you guys want to kind of line up that way a little bit and face that way? If you want to, you don't have to. And then do an ugly face. That is, that is pretty ugly. I mean, that's impressive. Whoa. Whoa, Esther, that is, that is properly ugly. And they're all such beautiful children as well. It's quite impressive making yourself look as ugly as you've managed. That is some good, good gurning. Well, I think it's a trip to Cumbria next year because we've got some talent here. Amazing. Thank you, guys. Should we give them a round of applause? They were brilliant. Well done. You can go. So, oh, yeah, my... I'm doing communion, so I won't pick my hands in my mouth, right? It's just not as... There we go. There we go. That, that'll, that'll do. It's, it's, not, it's not as good as them. It's not as good as them. Um, okay. What on earth am I talking about? Okay, what on earth, on earth am I talking about? That our love of money makes God's nose wrinkle. Okay, in the first two paragraphs of our reading, we hear Jesus teaching about good stewardship, the things that I've mentioned already. Then in the next paragraph, we hear about the reaction of the Pharisees, that is the religious leaders, uh, to this teaching. And in our English Bibles, the word most commonly used is the word sneered. Jesus talked about money. He confronted their wallets, and their response was that they sneered at him. Okay? So I hope there's no sneering to me going on today. I mean, you can if you want, but I don't really care. <laughs> you can sneer. Um, there was some sneering going on. And it said, in, in our English Bibles, it's translated sneered. But the literal meaning in the Greek is that they wrinkled their noses. That's what the word means. It's this sort of, it's this kind of like, mm. What's this guy talking about? They wrinkled their noses at Jesus. It's quite, quite good. You can imagine it, can't you? The Pharisees wrinkling their noses. It's a facial expression that's meant to communicate disgust. Um, and so the Pharisees wrinkled their noses at Jesus' teaching. But then Jesus responds to this by saying, what people value highly, in this case money, is detestable in God's sight, detestable. And the use of this word, again, it's kind of hidden in the English, but the use of this word is actually a play on words because the word that Jesus used here means is, it literally means to greatly offend your nostrils. That's what it means. Like you're, 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 you're sneering at me, you're wrinkling your nose at me, well, my nostrils are offended at your response. That's what Jesus says. It's this kind of, little backwards and forwards in joke that the people who were there, I'm sure, would have got. The whole episode could therefore be summarized as this. Jesus teaches about not loving money. The Pharisees who were lovers of money wrinkle their noses at Jesus' teaching. And Jesus responds with, and this is the Andy Smith paraphrase, my teaching may make your noses wrinkle, but your love of money is a stench in my nostrils. A couple of weeks back, 
I asked you to review your church giving, and I'm really grateful to those of you that have done so. But please hear me today, this isn't a rallying cry to just give all your money to the church. It's simply a call to resist the love of money, generally. Because the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. That's what it says, money isn't a bad thing. You know, people misquote this all the time. They say, money is the root of all kinds of evil. No, it's not. Money isn't the root of all kinds of evil. Money can be used for all sorts of good things. But when we love money, when we love our money, when we, when, 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 when we begin to worship and give too much worth to our wealth, that's when things go astray. So resist the love of money. It's a call to acknowledge the power that money has to pull us away from God if it's not kept in its proper place. And it's a call to be thankful Uh, to acknowledge that everything that we have comes from God and that we are in a privileged position of being the stewards of God's abundant wealth. Amen. Amen.